Wow. I really started. I really just need to like, uh, it's like get your mind with it. I feel so so much less prepared for like <laughs> this, this one, one than the last one. Yeah. Well, you and me both. When you texted me yesterday, oh yeah, I'm re- looking all this stuff up. Like I didn't do much. You did more than me. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I spent some time thinking about it. Some podcasts came up that talked about it a little bit, but it was like, <laughs> oh boy. Well, shall we get into it? Episode two of Mind, mind pizza, pizza, where we give you a piece of our mind. <laughs> yes. I'm John. I'm Daniel. And welcome. Uh, so, Daniel, how are you feeling? It's been a couple weeks. You got it, sick with COVID. <laughs> it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, I got sick with COVID, and then we had a blizzard. And so. then I was uh, at my parents. So uh, that's the explanation as to why the there was this weird break. I think we want to do this about once a week. I that's think what, that's the that's plan. What I'm thinking. So. Uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Pandemics and blizzards exempting. <laughs> All that ice and snow. Oh. Um, but I mean, we've, we talked about um, this one being around... Parad- pa- Last time was pa- paradoxes and palindromes, palindromes and paradoxes. And this one is free will, predestination, and Rube Goldberg machines. So... Uh, <laughs> Which this is this title you came you came up with this one a I, while I, ago. I did. Well this, it, I mean it sounds honestly this was one of our first ones that we thought of. I mean it stems from a line of thinking that I've been thinking for a long time. Yes. Um around free will and predestination and things like that. And I think it's an amalgamation of the two. Um so I guess well, for, first off What's a Rube Goldberg machine? Because I feel like those first two are so easy. Well, I was going to say, I think maybe we should define free will and predestination, or at least how how would you define free will and predestination and Rube Goldberg? Okay. Goldberg machines, for that matter. uh, Yeah. I'm not taking the philosophy stand on this. I'm not going to be very specific with what I'm talking about. Okay. um, Because I haven't spent the time in that world and... Yeah. Um, armchair philosophy time. Armchair philosophy, yes. Best uh, <laughs> uh, so free will being you are able to choose your own destiny, um, kind of like a choose your own adventure book. Okay. That's how I kind of tend to see it is that you have the choices to whatever your your world is. But you would perhaps say that it's a choice between a finite number of choices. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and then predestination being almost the exact opposite is that no matter how much you think you have choice in the matter, um, you are going to do this exact thing. I feel like it, there's a lot more fine, mm. f- finer control over it. Uh, whereas uh, free will is like there's all these various... If you think of it like uh, the roots of a tree, like you start from the bottom of the tree and then it you can branch out into all different ways based on the directions you go um whereas uh predestination i feel like is again keeping that illustration like a a weed a weed's root where it's just really straight down Mm. but not much out not much branching 
Yeah. And then, yeah, I, th I think that those two visuals kind of sum up what I think about it. You, what do you think? Yeah, similarly. Um, you know, this is something that I think, I think about free will and predestination a lot, actually. Really? Um, and in increasingly in the past probably three or four months or so. Um, I've actually been thinking about it a lot. Um, I haven't really come to any answers myself. I think I would define free will, yeah, similarly of the ability to make choices mm -hmm. and that you hold the responsibility for those choices. Ah, okay. Versus I think uh, predestination, how I would define it. And obviously, you know, people probably would differ greatly on how they define these things. But how I would define it is that, yeah, you, you still make all the choices in the chain, but you were always going to. Like, like you didn't really have a choice mm -hmm. and maybe you weren't really responsible you yeah. know um and i think perhaps the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle in the middle of those two mm -hmm. rube goldberg machines rube how, goldberg do, how do those machines. tie into this so um for anybody who doesn't know what a rube goldberg machine is the best example that i can think of and daniel only just found out about this video last night is a video <laughs> you're gonna go to this a video by okay go literally this is how i've been thinking about R rube goldberg machines for almost 10 years <laughs> so it's a music video called uh this too shall pass by the band okay go it's on youtube great song. um in the description of this i will put the link for that it's a great video it's like three and a half minutes not nearly as long as uh tenet so you have no excuse to not watch it. So, um, but essentially it's, uh, I think there, there's a way more rigorous definition of it, but essentially it's, you take a simple task, um, and make it as complex as possible with like simple, simple things. So it's like, like the reverse of Occam's razor. Yeah. <laughs> Can you define that for people who don't necessarily yes, know yeah. that? So Occam's razor is a philosophy um, term used, uh, but it refers to this idea that the simplest explanation for a phenomenon that still satisfactorily explains every aspect of the phenomenon is probably the right answer. Mm-hmm. Versus then a Rube Goldberg machine it's is like, let's intentionally opposite. do the opposite of that. Let's make yeah. the most complicated possible way to make a phenomenon happen. Yeah. So like a great example that you could think of um, is you take a line of dominoes. You have a the, the start of the dominoes just as somebody flicking, flicking it. And then you have them go down some stairs and then it hits a ball. The ball hits some more dominoes. The dominoes then uh wrap up around some chair or something like that and then it hits let's say a box or something and that box is holding up a knife over like a banana and then as the knife goes down it chops the banana and that's the end of the rube goldberg machine it's a very simple um simple task but you make it as complex as possible just to 
Did yeah. you think out? Did you think out that hypothetical Rube Goldberg machine ahead of time? No, I. I it's very impressive <laughs> if you just did that stream of conscious. I, I did it. I, I did almost most of it stream of conscious. I as wow. you, as you were talking for some reason, a banana came into my head, and I'm like, all right, so it's gonna be a banana. I don't know what I'm gonna do with the banana, but it'll be a banana. Yo, banana boy. <laughs> circling back to the first one <laughs> yeah, exactly. um but yeah so how do you so you were the one who chose the title of free will predestination yeah and rube goldberg machines so how do rube goldberg machines tie into this so i think it's uh as i described like predestination was being very tightly controlled everything very well defined i think uh so, so I guess speaking first from like a Christian perspective, because that's where we're both coming from. But uh, the idea being that maybe you're one of those dominoes, but you, there is not a single path that will um, lead to the completion of the Rube Goldberg machine. So if you ha- if you take two dominoes and you line them up so that they're directly hit, like if one falls, it will directly hit the other. Mm-hmm. Then it will um, still accomplish the same task of hitting the domino. Just like if you just barely grazed the edge of it. Um, and so, so the domino has some free will in the system, but it still has to perform its function. Kind of like that. I th- uh, Sentient domino. Yes. So <laughs> imagine that. What are uh, we but sentient dominance? I I think that there requires, at least for my explanation of this, a little bit of, um, I guess sci-fi attached to it of, um, in science fiction around like timelines and uh, time travel. There's mm-hmm. usually some sort of discussion of like, are there fixed points in time where like an action needs to happen? Yeah. Um, and I think that that tends to be like the case is that in in the long arc of history in somebody's life um you and i have talked about this outside of the podcast there are probably very specific points where you in a christian sense that was your purpose was to have this one conversation or Mm. do this one action um so going back to the rube goldberg machine you are the domino that hits the next Mm. domino interesting um so you have that fuzziness of hitting it so like that conversation might not happen in a specific time or place but it happens at some point Mm. um so you might argue that for instance if i have two different ways to get to work you know my my walk to work whether i take path a or path b maybe doesn't matter and i could take either on any given day yeah but there might be a certain point in my life where really no matter what I do, what paths I take, I will end up there at some point. Yeah, at some like hmm. th- there's an inevitability to it and which b- brings up a question of like, well, if that's inevitable, isn't that predestined? And but yeah, I I I guess I have to go back to my more not rigorous definition of my whole life is not specifically controlled. Yeah. So, hmm, interesting. But I think also the, the, one of the downsides of Rube Goldberg machines is it tends to have, especially in the music video we just talked about, it is very 
linear and and serial. So like one domino hits the next domino and hits the next domino, but it doesn't do that branching effect. Yeah. Whereas I think, especially in a world of 7.5 billion, somewhere on that order and growing and growing people in the world, um, there's no way that everything's just a serial path. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think that's feasible. So like, I think it's a layer of all these different paths. And so maybe your path is on one serial path, or mm. maybe it's on multiple parallel paths of um, your action plus somebody else's action, two dominoes hitting something lead to a third action that neither of you can see at all, which I think if you think about how human communication works and uh, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, um, <laughs> seven degrees of freedom, uh, basically who you talk to, who your relationships are. Um, you and I have a single degree of freedom just, just between the two of us, but I have never met your parents. You have never met my parents, but they have, I believe, two degrees of freedom between you and I. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that kind of counts up. Hmm. So it's not just Rube Goldberg machines, but Rube Goldberg machines are a yeah. good example visual of of that thought process, that line of thinking. So this might seem slightly tangential. Okay. But uh, multiverse theory. Okay. Do you believe that there could be or are perhaps other universes? Um that I, I I mean there's a possibility uh, I, I guess there <laughs> for me I think that requires the question of is this world a simulation okay Be- because so I coming from the comput- computer science computer person. science computer engineering <laughs> background like uh, it's hard to imagine that there would be multiple infinite universes running at the same time if we weren't some sort of simulation and mm. it was running it this was a computer simulation on a computer <laughs> on a massive scale where um all this is done do i think that we are in a simulation i tend to not think so i do think that in all likelihood we probably were uh, were in some line of serial universes mm. so n- not like uh so not parallel but but in <clears throat> series yeah where uh all the man- matter in the universe <clears throat> does this cycle of mm. big bang and then it expands out and out and out and then at and then some point implodes implodes back on a on itself so kind of our our wheel of time thing that we yeah. talked about on the last podcast kind of yeah that things could yeah happen over and over again but in different ways yeah so do you think in your way of thinking of kind of the predestination free will interaction then does that predestination change in each of those different you know, runs of the simulation or runs of, you know. Yeah, so I, I guess in the... In, I. And if so, does that mean that the purpose 
of each run of the simulation or run of the universe as you will does the purpose change and does it require a change of purpose to change how the predestination work like can things happen differently and still achieve the same purpose Well, so there, there's an interesting assumption that you make immediately there, which I find interesting, is that um, if the universe is kind of this repeating cyclical thing, that John exists in either a past universe or a future universe. Um, so I think that's just an interesting yes. um, point. Um, of course, the, the math there gets kind of wonky because you're like, if you want to go for a cyclic universe, well, it gets tough because I guess, you know, if, if matter, yeah, if we, we are going back to like big bangs happening over and over again, then we kind of have to have time restarting over and over again. So then the whole concept yeah. of serial gets kind of weird. Yep. But yeah. Anyways, continue. Um. So do I think that the outcomes change? Is, is that essentially what you're saying? yeah or like because like, i imagine that if if there was another big bang if we're talking about it in this concept that the starting conditions are ever so slightly different but i think that those ever so slightly different conditions lead to a massive difference yeah so i guess what i'm wondering is like so the the predestination in your idea is like there are certain things that that have to happen in this universe that they're just going to happen. I think that there's convergence points. Um, and maybe it's not a, they have to happen. Mm. Um, but more of a, there, some decision has to be made. Mm, okay. So they're more like yeah. key decision points. Yeah. And I, so, so I guess I did a bad job explaining it before, but yeah, like a key decision point where, um, in the Rube Goldberg, either machine, Either the domino hits it or it doesn't. Or it doesn't. If if it doesn't, what what happens there? And maybe part of the design gotcha. of it is that that decision changes so, yeah. how, oh, okay. how changes the outcome. So like there's key switches where it's like so you're you're more saying that it's like maybe it's not there's certain mm -hmm. things that will happen, but rather that it's like if I choose to take path A or path B to work on a given day, yep. it probably doesn't matter that much in the big scheme of yep. things. Yeah. But there are certain things like where I chose to go, go to grad school maybe would have a bigger effect. Maybe. Maybe, but maybe not. But uh, I mean, even by that, by my point there, I think that there's even a possible argument that like who you choose to marry or not marry, like, could not super matter like that that sounds awful <laughs> <laughs> we're talking from a from a universal perspective not a personal perspective yeah but like that, that maybe the yeah that's a good point that maybe part of our difficulty in grasping all this is that we actually have a skewed perspective relative to our own personal purposes mm -hmm. of what are big things and what aren't big things yeah that we we can't necessarily know which decisions are are the the big ones yeah and i don't i don't think we can but then yep. i i guess to take the science and mathematics mindedness and apply it to christianity for a second 
there then becomes the discussion of, well, God knows that um, this is all going to end well. Like yeah. he's going to end in victory. And those are lines that are used all the time. And what if rather than <laughs> rather than knowing the exact if events that have to happen each sequentially, like he just knows that based off of um, some mathematical proof theorem, whatever, mm -hmm. that the actual outcome is this. It doesn't matter what the little in-between connections are. Yeah. Um, All roads lead to Rome. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. So, but then that again goes back. Well, is that really free will or is... Yeah. But I, I think it's something along the lines of like going with physics of like physics and mathematics of... Um, distributed systems have some emergent behavior. Yeah. And so what if you just knew what the emergent behavior was going to be? Yeah. Hmm. But it's not a simple answer, and that's why it's not commonly taken as a position, because it's give, again, going to parado paradox palindromes, it's usually given as an either-or. It's not given as yeah. this, like, Maybe it's both, and it's this weird fuzzy thing in between yeah. that we really don't know. And that um, maybe some of our confusion about how free will and predestination could actually work at the same time is just because we're not... Time, time is weird for us. We don't really understand time. Individual human beings are... Um, even though we are collections of millions of cells and bacteria and that whole ecosystem we are still one being with one consciousness and we perceive with that consciousness serially time yes and we can only perceive three dimensions the the, the dimensions of our world and then one dimension time we don't even per perceive time going back and forth we have a terrible memory it's not like yeah. we can go back and look at ourselves and go oh yeah th that's actually what i did when i was six um <laughs> yeah because our, our memories change over yep. time because they're more about our memories are more about reinforcing certain images we have of things rather than really being a accurate representation of what happened in a previous point in time yeah i mean like detouring real quick it's like it, our brains were designed to survive not to remember what happened to us six weeks and nine six weeks and three days ago random question off of this yes do you have any false memories from childhood like vivid memories of things that didn't happen um vivid memories i so that's something i struggle with because i actually don't think in 3d like i can't i can't visualize an object you've mentioned yeah you've yeah mentioned this so before. like if you imagine like a red apple and you can close your eyes and rotate it and all those sorts mm. of things i can kind of see the color red and i can kind of see the shape of it but even when i close my eyes it's not like it gets clearer hmm. if anything you... it gets fuzzier so I'll, I'll get back to the the vivid fake memories thing but yes side side question yes do you think the fact that you don't think very visually do you think that actually helps you as a computer scientist because you're able to think about things more as information than as an object or image um, I don't know. It, it's it's weird because 
I constantly draw pictures to explain stuff. Hmm. So it's not that I, I, I think the way it's be- better explained is that like, I know that an apple has like a specific shape where it's kind of like a circle, but then it's got some outlines to it. It has a little stem yeah. that tends to be green and that it's red. Like I, I know these concepts. And so I'll draw out like these concept maps of here's this. But like as function. we're talking about an apple right now, you're not seeing an apple. I'm not apple seeing a bright brain. red crisp apple oh, in my weird. head. I can see but all the parts and kind of them slightly covering over each other. If you read a book, do you see like images of what's happening in the narrative? So I think I used to because I, I, I definitely think I used to when I was younger. And maybe part of it is I don't read as much fiction in my life anymore. Yes. Um, but I, I also know that I, I listened to a podcast recently um, that was with Donald Knuth, who is one of the massive figures in computer science, mm-hmm. literally is writing the book called The Art of Computer Programming. It's a seven volume book. He's the guy. Or Well, seven volumes of books. Um, the fourth one is two and he's still working on the second part of the fourth one, and he's been working on it since the 1960s. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> um, it's like the but, Game of Thrones of computer science. But, yeah, like he, he can't see in those images either. But then at the same time, I have talked about this with my mom before. She's a, formerly a visual therapist, but she still knows everything about that, and she's like, yeah, we would teach people how to do that all the time. Hmm. So maybe it's something where I just need to spend the time to do it. To learn it. But is there value in it? I'm not sure. Interesting. In terms of vivid memories. Yes. I didn't necessarily have a vivid memory, but one that I remember, like I know I believed for a long time as I believed my birthday was two days earlier than it was. Really? Yes. So, <sighs> I guess I say it, whatever. My birthday is on August 28th and for a year i thought it was august 26th interesting like i couldn't explain to you why but i remember asking my mom like hey is isn't my birthday august 26th and she's like no you're no it's august 28th come on like <laughs> this is what if it actually is the 26th <laughs> she's been uh messing with my head ever since <laughs> now, now you're gonna have okay yeah now you're gonna have to read the uh the prestige book that oh. I have that I have read in the intervening time since the last <laughs> podcast episode in this one because that one also has to do with falsified yeah birth certificates. Um, but yes, I um I have I do have some fake memories from childhood. Really? Yeah. So I had a very vivid memory as a kid going on a hot air balloon. Okay. With my grandparents. Huh. And then I was like. Like junior high or high school. Yeah. And I was chatting with my parents. And I was like, oh, yeah. And that time I went hot air ballooning with my grandparents. And they were like, that never happened. That's like, they were like, how old were you? And I was like, four. And they were like, dad didn't have, they were like, that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) So I have this very vivid memory. And I have no idea whether it's like, I mean, maybe I was four. Maybe I was with my grandparents and we saw hot air balloons mm-hmm. or maybe I dreamed it. I don't know, but I have these very vivid memories. But in any case, all that to say, it is fascinating how it's like our, so we're free to trans, you know, translate ourselves in the three dimensions of space. 
But then time, it's like, not only can we not choose, like, how to travel through time, like, we're forced kind of going one direction. Yeah. To some degree, we can change how fast we go through, you know, if you bring in relativity and all that stuff. But for all intents and purposes, we're pretty much stuck. And even more than that, we don't even really understand, like, how it actually works. Because, like, our memories don't even record things accurately. So it's like, it it gets weird. (laughs) Um Yes, we got off on quite a little side train there, and I don't really remember where we were going originally. Maybe because I wasn't predestined to know where we were going. <laughs> or maybe I was predestined <laughs> to not know where we were going. Well, I mean, we were talking about the Rube Goldberg machine and like that kind of logic. I was saying words that I can't remember anymore. <laughs> um I don't know. I guess like we've been talking about my idea thus far on the Rube Goldberg side. Yes. It's just something I've used as a, as an image or an example. What, what are your thoughts on the Mm. whole subject matter space, especially since you've been talking about it for the last three or four months. Is there anything specifically that sparked it? Yes. Okay. What, what's, what's the background on that? Uh, Hmm, I'm trying to think about how to how to explain it all. I mean, first off, I do want to say on, on this topic, I sent you the link to the OK Go music video because I Googled Rube Goldberg machines that came up and I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so cool. John, you have to see this. And you were like, how have you not seen this? <laughs> the entire world has seen this except for you. And there then like I looked at the video and I saw that it had like 70 million likes and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, interesting and then i saw that it was from 2010 and i was like oh and then i saw one of the top comment was ah yes the music video that every science teacher shows their seventh grade class and i was like oh (laughs) well (laughs) a little behind on this one granted in 2010 when it came out um i had never used youtube at that time i still thought youtube was just spelled you tube <laughs> i had no idea what it was um that technology and me were not uh we we didn't really do much together at that point in my life <laughs> um but as far as how i imagine free will and predestination it's a great question um i think it's a mixture you know in the past four months or so of i mean on the one hand i think you know kind of talking more sp- spiritually religiously you know i think there have been things in my life that i think like oh okay this makes sense this is going in this direction Mm -hmm. and then they don't ah and you think but but i but i was pretty pretty sure that that was how that was supposed to go but clearly it wasn't um and so sometimes you know i can find myself being like okay was that yeah i think i sometimes think of this and you know i oftentimes find myself thinking in terms of like god having a plan which even that is kind of odd because if mm-hmm. you really think about it, it's like okay not that we can really speak on how god works um obviously there's a lot of different views on that one but uh <laughs> to say the least really <laughs> <laughs> like you started laughing after i said we couldn't even keep this straight face yeah little known fact people disagree on ideas about god 
yeah um some yeah yeah it's amazing um <laughs> in any case um but like i think even saying like god has a plan is kind of weird because you're like okay if you're talking about someone who's supposedly like omnipotent and outside of time you don't really have a plan at that point like it's something else that we can't even really describe um but i find myself thinking like okay you know if this oh i thought this was the plan and that didn't happen so did i mistake what it was did i misinterpret Mm -hmm. uh was there no plan at all or was it not happening actually the plan and me thinking that was the plan and then it not being that is all part of the plan Mm -hmm. you know um which starts to get into really weird questions of like okay you know when crappy things happen in life does god let crappy things happen does god yeah. want crappy things to happen which gets into a whole nother probably discussion on suffering and all this jazz um <laughs> you know, just to i'm just gonna kind of hold that one hand out. wave it away yes i'm just gonna hand wave that one away for the moment uh but yeah kind of thinking about that and then paired with um you know i've been teaching this introductory mm-hmm. science class as kind of a volunteer instructor right now um and I think in in that I'm also learning more about okay how how do our genetics affect how we behave mm-hmm. how we make decisions and how our upbringing affects how we make decisions you know mm-hmm. and I think realizing I think I've just been thinking a lot about that of how you know I think as humans certainly myself but I think humans in general we like to think that there's free will like we we generally want to believe that most people i talk to seem to want to believe there is a measure of free will and that we make mm-hmm. our own decisions but we have to recognize that there are already limits on that of it's like just based on when i was born and who i am that does limit the choices i could even make in the first place there has to be something else Either everything is meaningless chaos or there has to be something else going on behind all that, I guess, is is kind of some of my mm-hmm. current thoughts, you know. Yeah. Um, clearly, you can tell this is something I've been tossing up for months and still have no answers on, <laughs> which is why this is kind of a random toss out of concepts. But Well, yeah, that's why philosophy is still a thing that exists, a uh, field. Um and they would be so mad at us right now if we were philo- in philosophy class. Ah, yeah, th- this general concept. No, define it very closely. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, though, philosophy, what are they doing? It's been thousands of years and we haven't just, like, found an answer to these things. Come on. <laughs> it's so easy. Come on. Human beings are the easiest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, we were. I was talking about this in my science class the other day. Mm-hmm. Um of uh we're we were talking about um the possibility of life basically so we're talking about like origins of life in the class and so basically the, probabilities of life existing. alien life yeah. or something yeah, okay. like that but basically we were just talking about how you know most of the universe mm-hmm. you know the universe is made of matter um and energy and you know also other things we don't really understand mm-hmm. but lots of matter out there most of it is not alive. Yep. The only living stuff we know of is 
on our planet. So already things that are alive are kind of weird. And then on top of that, throw in, now we have this very weird part of living matter called humans that can think about the fact that it's alive, which is just so weird. And when you think about the it. fact that life exists and yeah, it yeah. is really weird. I mean, I, what I, I guess you can go like levels of weird of first, the vast majority of space is space. Like there's nothing. <laughs> so the most common space is space. The mo- John. <laughs> well, the most common thing, even in your body, if you go to like the quantum level, is space. Re- it really is space. So like, and that's not even at the quantum level. That's not even like that's just like it. It's not anything. It's just yeah, can you, yeah. Mm. Space, but man. I mean. Space is the space is the vast majority of space. Ha <laughs> um, <laughs> So then the first level of weird is anything. Yeah. So matter being there. Cool. All right. Then having matter combined together into these giant gaseous balls that release a whole bunch of energy, suns and things like that. And then Earth having like the perfect conditions to start any amount of life. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> On these terms, this is something that I saw a video recently by um, Hank Green of the Vlog uh, Brothers. Yes, you have been you have been spending me a lot of their videos. I have <laughs> recently, mostly because, yeah, mostly because I've been getting a lot of them, and then I started watching them, and then I sent some of them to you. One of them, I don't think I sent this one to you, but you've probably seen it. But he made the really good argument for why the universe is not infinite. But it's like okay. if the if the universe was infinitely large and had been around for an infinite period of time because if it was infinitely large it would kind of have to have been around for an infinite period of time Mm -hmm. then the sky would just be light everywhere like the night sky would just be white because there's an infinite number of stars that have an infinite amount of time for that light to reach you that's assuming that earth has been around for that infinite amount of time but even then, light would have reached every part of space. Like, space would just be light. Oh. Because there's an infinite number of stars. Ah. For an infinite amount of time. So even if the tiniest fraction of stars that have ever been in that infinite amount of time are actually still burning and have enough light to reach where Earth is, like, that, that, that distance yeah. works out. Because it's still a tiny fraction of it, an infinite universe. It's still infinite. There's yeah. still an infinite amount of light reaching Earth. Like mechanistically, it just doesn't work. It's like a really simple proof that I had never thought of. And I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah, super strange. Um, but in any case, yeah, those are kind of why I've been thinking about free will and predestination recently. I... I do like asking people, like, what's their visualization of this interaction? You know, you mentioned, like, Rube Goldberg machines are kind of a concept mm-hmm. you think mm-hmm. about. Um, I asked someone recently, and they tend to think more of, like, a choose-your-own-adventure book or board game kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what my concept is for how it works. Um... I think if anything, I always think of one of the ending scenes of uh, Forrest Gump, of all things. (laughs) 
when he's like, you know, I don't know if like we're here for a reason or mm -hmm. like maybe we're just kind of floating around. Yeah. You know, and there's a whole motif of the feather that kind of blows mm -hmm. through the whole movie. Um, it's, I kind and he's like, or maybe, maybe it's both. And yeah. I think I tend to think of it that way that there's probably a bit of both going on. Um, you know, I think, you know, when I think of what's the purpose for me being here or for you being here or for any human mm -hmm. to be here, um, you know, increasingly I'd say currently the achieving of the purpose of being here is being here. The, like just being alive mm -hmm. is in some way achieving that purpose. Yeah. Um, I think there are specific purposes, you know, that, that, you know, if, if you <laughs> ascribe to God, um, you know, as, as I do, you know, I would say like, okay, there, you know, God has some more specific will points, mm -hmm. but I think in a way, you know, the, just the fact that you exist here is probably in some way, shape or form achieving some part of that purpose. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I think this is also why I like things like the Tenet movie from the last mm -hmm. episode. Um, I really like time travel movies that are closed loop time travel. Yeah. Where you can time travel as much as you want, but you're only going to cause things such that it was the state that caused Before you to time it, travel. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, which is kind of like uh, Prisoner of Azkaban and mm -hmm. Harry Potter is kind of mm -hmm. that way. It's yeah. a kind of a closed loop where it's like they observe things and then they go back to try to change things. And the fact that they went back to change things is what caused the things they observed. Yeah. Um, so I really like that. That appeals to me. But then that also means that it's like, but then there was only one way that was ever going to happen. And that's basically yeah. predestination. Um, so I think I tend to think from the human perspective it's basically free will mm -hmm. and from the outside superior supra universal perspective it's more predestination like basically you are going to make decisions and those decisions matter and you're responsible for those decisions mm -hmm. but being outside of time those decisions are happening happened will happen it kind of starts to break down but it doesn't change the fact that you made that decision mm -hmm. gotcha deep pondering my brain's not fully functioning it's one of those like you just said something and I really want to have like a good response. And it's like, oh. Did I did I need to bring you a bottle of ski? Well? Is that I should have brought originally Hey, no advertising here. Brought to you by ski. <laughs> I'd like to say that I'm not wearing a Howler Bros t-shirt, but I'm wearing another one. <laughs> also from Howler Bros. Also still not a sponsor. Yet. 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 So, I mean, we at the beginning of this, we said that we didn't really do much research, but you did text me an interesting fact around yes. free will and predestination. Do you want to? Yeah, yeah. So this was, so as I was researching, you know, when I said like, oh, I was researching 
definitely not as much as I would research for uh, my job. (laughs) (laughs) This is more just for funsies, uh, which basically meant that I was Googling things like Mm -hmm. free will and Googling predestination just to see what people say about these. Not actually reading literature around it. Yeah, not not really like primary literature, if anything, reading Wikipedia pages, which even those had some big words. Um, (laughs) But uh, there was one that came up. Uh, that was a primary research paper uh, mm-hmm. published in Plus One, which you know is maybe not like the most pre- prestigious journal. Yes, um, but it is a, it's a peer reviewed journal, um, and I didn't just break down this paper in depth. So again, you'd you'd have to read it and see you know some of the results how they got it. But essentially, the they wanted to study how belief in free will affected behavior. So basically they got all these participants together and they subjected them to, um, I forget what they even called it, but essentially they said, uh, we subjected them to treatments that disabused them of their belief in free will. (laughs) I don't know what that really means, but basically they, they tried to convince them or expose them to things that were trying to tell them that Mm -hmm. you don't actually have free will. Yeah. And then they had them play this kind of social game. Mm -hmm. It's basically a life simulation. Yeah. And people who were disabused of the notion that they had free will were less likely to help others. Um, They were less likely to, you know... um, be encouraging or go out of their yeah. way yeah uh they were less likely to donate to charity <laughs> which is very interesting to just be like yeah you know you're not responsible for your decisions and people are like all right well screw it i'll be a jerk if i want to be i guess i don't know <laughs> um the weird thing the weird finding uh was that this this phenomenon was only observed in non-religious participants. So people who just had a religious belief, mm-hmm. wasn't not even a specific one, just had a religious belief, the being told that they didn't have free will didn't change how they behaved. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around why. You know, the researchers brought up some concepts of basically like, okay, you know, most most religions at base tell you hey you know how you like to be treated you should treat other people that way mm-hmm. um you should be kind you should probably do good things um you know among other things but they, yeah. they tend to encourage being kind and helping others and you know get being generous yes and so that perhaps just the fact that those participants had been exposed to that a lot um, in their life. Maybe it was just harder to break them from that. Um, Such that it had been something almost programmed into their mind or something. Like yeah. That. Maybe they're just saying that like it's harder to, to because that, that um, internal monologue is so practiced for mm-hmm. them that it's, it, it'd be much more difficult to get them to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, personally I was thinking it might also have to do with the fact that, you know, if you, tell someone with religious beliefs you know everything's predestined no matter what you do you're gonna do what you are always gonna do they're probably still gonna be like okay well this is everything i do is for a certain purpose Mm -hmm. 
And so I should still do good things because it's all for the purpose of my given religious belief. Um, versus I think if you tell someone who doesn't generally believe that there's a purpose to the universe writ large, that they're not in control of their actions, mm -hmm. then I think it's a very logical conclusion to come to that it doesn't matter how you behave and there's no reason to donate to charity or go out of your way to help people so let me flip the tables and just be a mean person yeah, maybe not yeah. even not be mean but just yeah. i'm not gonna go out of my way to be nice you know um which all this to say um you know if we have listeners right now who you know you don't have religious beliefs this is not being like, oh, that's bad. It's not it's an like, indictment. No. It's more yeah, of it's a... just like this was just a phenomenon they're seeing. So if anything, you know, if anyone is listening to this and it's on a platform that has, you know, commenting abilities, I'd love to hear comments on, you know, what what you think on that paper and just kind of what you think might explain that phenomenon. Um, but I think it's interesting just why there was a difference. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was very interesting. Um it's something I'm still thinking quite a bit about. So I, yeah, when you texted that to me, I thought initially, oh, that's an interesting thing. And then um, even as we're talking, it like the several different worlds started colliding together. Of uh, Again, I was listening to another podcast. When I drive, I usually just listen to a podcast. Um, even though I love music to You're death. You're a podcaster that listens to podcasts? <laughs> Podcast Inception. It's, it's mostly one. Lex Badges. Friedman, if you actually watch this or listen to this, thank you for watching. Also, thank you for your podcasts. They're great. But so I was <laughs> listening to one. I can't remember who, uh, who who the guest was. But essentially, they ended up talking about um, how in the computer science world and data science world, there has been this bigger and bigger trend to move towards machine learning. Hmm. Um, you'll hear it called AI, machine learning, deep learning. Um, AI is the most general set of that. So anything that is classified as AI um, is not necessarily machine learning and anything classified as machine learning is not deep learning. So okay. deep learning is the most specific, but it's a specific point within those circles. Okay. Um, so an example used in, uh, in AI and in, in the space uh, that is kind of a freaky occurrence um happened i think it was about 10 years ago um with a story about target and how target started sending a 17 year old girl um maternity ads so ads for diapers yes. and uh, baby's clothes and all these th sorts of things the dad of the 17 year old daughter gets super mad takes his 17 year old daughter to the target with him and is like, stop sending my daughter these specific ads because she's not pregnant. Three months later, comes back and says, I'm sorry. She was pregnant. All these sorts of things. So based off of her search history and the things that she was looking up specific to whatever her symptoms were at the time, yes. they were able to predict that she was pregnant before she told her dad. Yep, I've heard stories like this as well. So, going back to the podcast, the uh, guest, I wish I had known, remembered his name right now, um, was talking about at what point can we model the brain? 
mm. um, and predict exactly what you're going to do almost from like a free will predestination thing. So interesting. And at what level? So, and it, I'd also would be curious to know if we could accurately simulate the brain to the point that you could predict what anyone's going to do. Have you not created an artificial human at that point? Well, so actually the, so there's several different questions. One, like, one, I think that's such a difficult thing about around the artificial human because then it becomes because there's a larger discussion of if you do create yes. that and you can simulate that is that simulation of that one specific person a car a copy of the real life person or is it a different person <clears throat> yes and then in computer mm. ai is there a morality of treating one as more important than the other than because the other. they are the same hmm so at that point, are you essentially uploaded to the mainframe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would argue if we manage to make a simulated person and society moves on with this, mm -hmm. I would argue at that point, we could be fairly confident that we ourselves are not in a simulation. If we can simulate ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Because if a simulation makes a simulation, that's going to create this exponential increase in computing power necessary to run said original simulation. And I would argue that whoever's running the simulation would probably pull the plug at that point. Like the point at which a given reality can start simulating its own reality, things are maybe getting out Well, of I hand. guess using that argument, maybe, well, wouldn't we have hit that way earlier with something like The Sims where we're running computer games to run this? Or are you thinking because the model because to the model, simulate the world is so big and the computing yeah. power and may, is maybe required. it's not simulating humans, but like definitely I'd argue like with the Matrix, for yeah. instance, like the Matrix movies. If the world in which the Matrix is created mm -hmm. was itself a Matrix, the point at which it made a Matrix it would the the plug would be pulled and it would end. Ah, uh, okay. Because for a matrix to contain its own matrix is going to just start to create this exponential yeah. increase in the amount of computing power yeah. needed to run that. And I'd assume the people running the simulation at that point would be like, okay, we've learned all that we need to know. Mm -hmm. The point at which they're now making a simulation is going to repeat what we've made. Yep. And then spiral. Yes. Um, then you would need infinite resources on the initial simulation side yes which is crazy okay huh interesting okay yeah. hadn't thought about that also are you like a massive fan of the matrix i'm not i've no. only ever seen it like okay, once this is or an twice interesting thing i've um, only and we've seen it all it the way through once and i didn't so like it like i don't like the matrix it's just an interesting concept <laughs> it's a really interesting that's i think that's honestly why i didn't like the movie is uh -huh. it was a more interesting concept than, than it was execution. a movie yeah it, all that being said, the special effects at the time in the late 90s were outstanding. Like the whole mm -hmm. um, 360 bullet time yep, yep, shot on yep. top of the, uh -huh. the building. Wonderfully done. I'm a big VFX nerd. Wonderfully done. Literally, they didn't have 360 degree cameras at that point. They sent an intern up there with a digital camera and had him take photos at given increments all the way around, they stitched those together and then played it onto a green screen where they had taken a physical camera uh -huh. and gone all the way around Keanu Reeves. 
So they like <laughs> backdoored a 360 camera, which is pretty awesome. In any case, all that to say, no, I don't really like the Matrix movies. Yeah. But I love the concept. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, I'd argue my favorite Matrix concept movie is the Lego movie. Where there's like a world happening inside a world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'd argue. It's like <laughs> the Lego movie is my favorite version of the <laughs> So I guess you went to like with my example, the uh, or w- with my uh, the model stuff is you went directly to, well, what if we could get to the point where we simulated exactly what it is? And I think in the machine learning world, it's not necessarily... Um, can we simulate this exactly or can we do this exactly? As long as we can predict the outcome. But how well can we predict the outcome? Like mm. 99.99%. Now, that never happens with models. There's some amount of error. Um, if you are overfit to something, there is an issue. But do you think... Yes, because obviously there's going to be some probability of like we can predict yeah. this within 95% confidence yeah. or whatever interesting philosophical argument slash question here okay if we could get to the point where we could perfectly predict something that was going to happen without necessarily simulating the entire system itself Mm -hmm. in this case we're talking basically fate let's say we can predict fate without Mm -hmm. having to literally simulate an entire universe Mm -hmm. have we then would we then have proven that the universe is a rube goldberg machine because then by definition, if we can perfectly simulate the outcome without simulating the machine itself, it is not the simplest path to the outcome. And it's a Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> and then that begs the question, Rube Goldberg machines are pretty much only made by intelligences because there's no other reason to have it be more. Uh-huh. The universe itself kind of selects for the yeah. simplest solution. Yeah. yeah. If we could simulate the outcome without simulating the system, the system's a Rube Goldberg machine, which therefore claims that someone or something designed purposely made it more complicated than it had to be. Huh. I'm not sure that actually philosophically holds water, but I just thought of that. It probably doesn't, but also it's an interesting idea. Like the ski, the ski is kicking in. The ski is kicking in. Um, (laughs) The motor in the back of my brain is like, here we go. For those not aware, ski is like a local thing. Local soda. Um, I don't even drink soda, but I drink ski for the podcast. My (laughs) my podcast juice. But yeah, it's something like Mountain Dew kind of. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, it'd be interesting. Oh boy, that's an interesting. And it begs the question of wh- why did they make it more complicated than it had to be? Beauty. Well, I mean, look at the, the going back to the <laughs> advertisement music for our for a future episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> you could also argue perhaps art is that way, that any level yeah. of abstraction in art is in a way purposely making it i'd say any art in a way is taking what exists and making it more complicated for fun to say something that Mm -hmm. doesn't doesn't need to be said yeah yeah i can can feel one of our friends listening to this right now 
the moment I said art <laughs> and the fact that it's saying something that doesn't need to be said for fun, I can hear them cringing right now. And <laughs> I can already feel the conversations we're going to have. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it'd be like, at that point, like it begs the question of like, okay, if we could say the universe is a Rube Goldberg machine because it's more complicated than it has to be. Mm -hmm. It has to be more complicated than it has to be for a reason. And if so, it begs the question of, yeah, what is that reason? Is it just for beauty? Is it for fun? Is it because it's cool? I mean, to get back to the OK Go music video, it's an incredibly complex music video where a lot of things are happening and it's super complicated and there's so many degrees of freedom. Yep. And it's awesome and, it is so freaking and it's so cool. enticing I and mean, it's like the level of dedication and engineering and all this but that's the same case with uh, to just fanboy a little bit their music videos are on another level yeah. usually they tend to be the pinnacle of like execution writing and, on the wall is a oh great gosh. music video just um, crazy but yeah like <sighs> maybe ooh, yeah ooh. Uh, thoughts be firing in my uh, brain right uh -oh. now oh boy <laughs> like i said the ski is kicking in um maybe that gets to our confusion or at least my confusion over like is this a plan or is that the plan and, mm. and wh why was that loop yeah you know, what i see is like kind of like a weird side tangent that then yep. came back like what why was that part of it mm-hmm Maybe it's because, okay, that wasn't the simplest path to get where things are going, but that was part of the purpose because life is a Rube Goldberg machine and it's not about getting to the end by the simplest means, but rather the statement made by the path that's taken. Huh. Statement made by the path that's taken. Yeah, I mean, I, if you think about it from like a life perspective, who's going to have the more interesting story at the end of the day? The person that won the lottery when they were 21 or the person that worked and worked and did all these different things, all these different adventures and had fun, had pain, all this. And then at the end of the day, both die. Who probably has the better stories? Similar destination, different path. Yeah. I think this also gets into... I think you could take this into fictional narrative theories and general guidelines of when you're writing a story or writing a fictional narrative, mm -hmm. it's really important that you make fallible characters that make mistakes and that the plot doesn't take the easiest path from A to B because it's not interesting. It's not interesting, and it doesn't really tell you anything. Mm -hmm. Well, so I heard another quote um, going back to the art stuff of, well, what if the statement was art is not 100% perfect? Because if art was 100% perfect, nobody would be able to um, be able to imbue their self in it. Hmm. Because if it was purely perfect, they would not 
be able to see a, a, a mistake or something like that and then go, ah, yes, this. Um, hmm. In the song uh, "Judge" by Twenty One Pilots, love that song. At the end, at the end of it, um, it this is one of uh, our friend's favorite songs because at the end, uh, there's the long outro, and several times uh, they just shout, and in the last of those shouts, the lead singer says the drummer's name, Josh Dunn, which sounds very similar to the other shouts. Yes, and when talking with our friend about this, he was saying, Oh, I just had put my brain to thinking like that. I had made it that, but it actually, is. but it actually yeah. is that it's like, Ooh, interesting. Um, or way off. Love that song. <laughs> Love that song. It's great. great song. Enjoy all their music. Josh, Tyler, if you're listening, love to have you on. I think we're both pretty big fans. I, so <laughs> I've recently gotten a lot of, bumper stickers for my car slash computer slash laptop yes uh one i did not get but it is kind of like on my uh list uh, is uh <laughs> it's just a sticker just with words and all it says is wow i probably should have stayed inside my house <laughs> which as an introvert i was like i love that that is one of my favorite lines of that song it's probably dangerous for me to ascribe to this phrase. And, <laughs> and it also feels kind of ironic to put it on my car. Like the uh-huh. only time people are going to see it is if I leave my house. Yep. So in any case, but yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But all of a sudden, yeah. Wow. This is making me think like, okay, um, maybe we're getting off on the wrong foot when we're talking about uh, predestination and free will. And we're so focused on where is it going? Mm-hmm. What's the end result and more about what's the journey and what's the path taken and what is that path taken actually telling us? Yeah. And I think that's kind of in a way kind of hopeful and inspiring because, you know, you can also, you know, you can go about your day and be like, okay, my job today isn't to know where this is all going and even if I did know where this is all going, it wouldn't matter because mm-hmm. it's not about where it's going. It's about how I get there and that what what I do and the path I take is saying something. What what am I saying with the path I'm taking? Hmm. So I guess to turn it back to to religion real quick, maybe it's not necessarily about getting to heaven but how you got to heaven yeah i think that could get really complicated you and could, i'm trying to say it, it the could theology get so of that, but basically that but like yeah. yeah i mean i think i think there's a lot you could say there but yeah i think that's a lot you know at least speaking again from us both kind of you know speaking from you know flavors mm. of christianity I think in Christianity, we can get off on the wrong foot when we're like, okay, you know, the goal of this is, you know, you get to heaven. All right, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Done. It's like, yeah, that's okay. Yes, that that is where it's going. And that's a great thing. That's a good thing. And I don't want to dismiss that. But you're here for a reason. Yep. And what you do in the meantime matters. And that ultimately 
you know, within within Christianity, it's not a belief system based off of, uh, you know, scrap the old stuff, wait for the new stuff. It's a belief system based off of everything is valuable, everything matters, let's restore what is. You know, and that what you do on your path uh, has an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, as you're going along that path, you can choose to restore and make things better. Um, yeah, so I, I totally agree with that, that it's like, I think, yeah, it has a lot more, I think life itself has a lot more to do with the path we take than than the result. Yeah. Man, it hits me in the feels like all this pain. <laughs> <laughs> All the difficulties. That's why. Am I making you emotional? (laughs) No. Um. (laughs) (laughs) He said in a blunt monotone. (laughs) Am I making you emotional? No. (laughs) Emotion? What? No. (laughs) I feel like that needs to be. I wish I had a video of that only because that's like. uh, that's like one of those clips that would be put at the end of a bunch of TikToks. Am I making you emotional? No. no. <laughs> Just as an overdub voice now. Yeah, that'd be no. a that'd be a new version of the emotional damage. <laughs> be like one of those. Uh, I feel like I have closed the loop in my brain and I am I am happy with where we got on this podcast do you have any other thoughts i have one question and it kind of loops back to the that'd be dangerous one questions lead to more well i I, ask away i think that this can kind of uh wrap up like the free will predestination and then the the article that you talked about a little bit wrap it up forever no one will ever have to talk about it nobody talks about it ever again thousands of years of philosophy end tonight <laughs> I like how he started whispering. So you talked about modeling and simulating the human brain, yeah. and then at that point we'd be good enough. And then I mentioned, well, what's the granularity of yes. well, how how deep? Now, how do you think people re- will react? So if you can simulate and guess how somebody's going to react without having like a hundred percent exactly what it is, but ninety five percent. We're mm. already at a point now. The, yes. the target story was 10 years ago. In the world of research, that is so long ago. I mean, this is starting to get into like, uh, is the movie, is it Minority Report? The one Tom Cruise where they yes. can predict yes. what crimes people are going to commit and yes. then arrest them ahead of time. Fun, fun story about I've that. I've never seen the movie, so I'm just kind of... So Jaron Lanier great computer scientist works at microsoft as a researcher he was the one who came up with he he was brought on as a consultant specifically for that um he also came up with the terminology of vr virtual reality okay it meant a wholly different thing at the time um but he created my minority report as a like this is how we should not handle society Mm. like this is a cautionary tale and 
he kind of Hollywood was like, let's make it badass. <laughs> well, well, he was part of that movie yes. and like making it look badass, but he was designing it for like computer scientists of like, hey, like this is not a good yeah, thing. This, this is, is not a, a good direction. And yet, that is one of the most quoted scenes in like Silicon Valley. And he, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I believe he said that he regrets having like made it very popular, like that concept, mm. because that's the type of logic that's being used with Facebook, Google, Amazon, all this. The yeah. moment you get onto Amazon, hey, here are like things that you're going to probably 95% yeah. agree with or like buy. Which, like, I'll say for myself, like Amazon, that doesn't bother me too much. If Amazon tracks what I've bought in the past and predicts, it doesn't bother me too much. I mean, yeah, marketing can kind of get in your head, but like that doesn't bother me too much because half the time it is convenient. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you saw that I bought yep. Brando Sando books? <laughs> Maybe I'd want more books by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, that doesn't bother me. Uh, it does bother me with like Google, where it's like, okay, we're going to keep yep. your search history we're and we're going to probably sell that to other people. And then, um, hey, you're going to get this weird targeted ad on some specific yes. site that you're like, wait a sec, I wasn't looking at this at all. I can understand I that from the, the marketplace sort of yeah but i think to me i'd rather it be like because basically there it's just like google's not free yeah they're a business they have to make it's advertising you're not paying for google search engine you're You're not but you are paying for it you're paying for it with your information that they're using for marketing and stuff so there it's like i'd rather it be like okay charge me 10 bucks a month for google i don't care like i'd rather do that and you not track all my information so that is a thing that Jaron talks about quite okay. a bit. Um, and th- there's a lot more great articles, research, podcasts with him on it. I think he's a great speaker on that subject. Um, but we live in this culture that is very um, divisive. Wait, what? What? Really? No way. <laughs> First I've heard of it. We have people fighting over each other. Do you think... That 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 the research that you found, or yes. that article that you found, that was talking about not feeling like they had free will. What if what if that's like almost an implicit thing that's going on right now? Because we feel like we can be predicted to the point that we're not in control. Yeah. Hmm. I had not thought of it until earlier today. Interesting. Yeah, because I think to some degree we all, hmm, I'd argue it's a mixture of two opposing phenomenon. Okay. On the one hand, our behaviors can be predicted very well, and we are all at some degree aware of that fact, whether Mm -hmm. it be Google or social media predictions or all these things. On the other hand, thanks to social media and Google and all these things. We have a practically infinite number of choices before us. Of you can go on Google. There is more on Google than you can learn or read. Yes. Um, 2.5 billion searches in 0.5 seconds. Yes. There are more (laughs) videos on YouTube than you can watch. There are more books than you can read. There's more food than you can eat. There are more people on dating apps than you can date. 
<laughs> you know, like there are a lot of options. Yes. And yes. the point at which it's more than you can do in a human lifetime means it's practically infinite. Yep. For you, experientially. Um, the more choices you give someone, the less happy they are with the choice they make. Yep. So we're now at this crossroads of you feel like your choices can be predicted, which doesn't make you feel good. Mm-hmm. And you have an infinite number of choices, so you already don't feel as good about the choice you're making and yet feel like you always were going to make that choice. And then also feel paralyzed into having to make or whether or not making a choice. Yes. Yeah. But again, it's like, and I think you see that a lot because I think I, I, you know, I've seen people and known people that, yeah, I think, I think it's common on our gener- generation, especially to have a fear of making choices, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, seen that and I've even had that sometimes of like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't want to choose the wrong grad school. You know, I don't want to choose the wrong car. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to choose the wrong color of pants from old Navy. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you, know, you can get as yeah. trivial as you want to. And yet at, all levels we have some level of that because we can't choose everything but everything is an option yeah and so but i think there again it gets down to and i'd be curious to know what your solution is for this mine would again be rather than focusing so much on comparing the choices you could make Mm -hmm. or trying to think about oh could that choice have been predicted? Are people predicting my choices? Am I unique? Am I not unique? Mm -hmm. I think it's more important to, again, think about the one choice you're making right now is less important than the string of choices that makes your path through life. And that again, what is the, what is the narrative you're writing and what is that? What statement is it saying? stories um (laughs) we'll get to that one too i I love me a good narrative um what do you think what what would your solution be to this cultural miasma i think that's the right word to use miasma um so i i my quick story on this because uh i'm going to google definition of miasma while you're doing this to make sure you use the right word for those who don't know what i look like i am just an average white guy sort of thing. But I normally... Uh, I was waiting for you to describe something that didn't describe you at all. <laughs> um, but for a long time, like... Ooh, I did use miasma correctly. Sorry, I do just have to say miasma. Yay! An influence or atmosphere that tends to deplete or corrupt. Oh. Cultural miasma. Okay. Okay, continue. So, <laughs> long story short, I was wearing Converse for years. Like nice pair of uh not the cloth like canvas ones but more like actually like a normal Ooh, fancy shoe. ones um but had them for years got to the point where i just could not wear them anymore wearing them hurt my feet hurt hurt everything that sort of thing so rather than looking up whatever the the shoes were trying to find the exact pair or whatever i went to one of the local malls here and just went to every shoe store, as weird as this sounds, went to every shoe store and went in there and was like, all right, 
I will not leave this mall until I have bought a pair of shoes. Like the internet is not an option. So you purposely limited your options. Yes. And I think that is the vast majority of it of like, um, if we're talking about dating, if you are talking to a girl, is she like, are you interested in her or not? Or the same thing with a girl or a guy or whoever you are interested in. Are they interesting to me right now? It's not comparison to anybody else. It's right right now. How is this? And that can turn into like a weird hedonistic thing. And I don't mean it that way. I mean, limiting your options, not comparing the person that you're talking about to somebody else or some other option. Um, Say, I I think I think that's very wise. I think it's mostly about eliminating choice or just going with the first one. Hmm. Okay. So, um, and what I mean going with the first one is, uh, in like engineering and product development and things like that, there's always the discussion of, um, first to market. So somebody getting out there and having a good product, it's good to be first out to market and have that, but also the the uh, actual application of that in the real world doesn't actually look that great. You don't think about MySpace or any of these older ones. Or BlackBerry. Ones, or BlackBerry or uh, 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 Napster or any <laughs> of these for like, they were the first ones on the, like some of the first ones on the internet. Um, really, you don't think of Amazon being a bookstore anymore. Yeah, Th- and you don't of think things. of BlackBerry being smartphones. Yes, or they, they do anything. cybersecurity and stuff now. But yeah, um, so it's making it's making any decision. It's not sitting there in the being more. Maybe it's more important to make a good decision rather than worrying about making the best decision. Yes, the next right decision is something me and my team use a lot. But then at the same time, we make the next right decision, but. So that's one phrase that we use a lot. And another phrase we use a lot is uh, the term fail fast. So like if you're trying to design a new product and you want to use this specific technology, test that out to its limits. What is the low? What is the high? Does it actually work? Half the time we've found it just doesn't work or like it doesn't work as advertised. So toss it out. That's not worth it. That's not worth the time. Yeah. So it's a it's this. um sussing out period and i think if you get through like thoroughly sussing it out not taking a long time but limiting it in time but also making the decision to do that you'll get through things faster so like go back going back to the shoes i had all the shoes in the the mall which is still a lot which is still a lot but my foot is a nine and a half so i was only looking at nine and a half shoes and i really don't like fancy brown shoes brown leather shoes or whatnot i i ended up getting a pair of plain black and white vans that like you know just just worked and yeah you you can see them on the floor here (laughs) they're great shoes and they're great shoes and they're great for like longboarding or uh one wheeling as you like and you probably felt good about buying them and i felt fine the the reality is is it wasn't like i was looking for a high from it because I don't particularly like shopping. I just want something that will be good and useful. And then at the end of the day, you're keeping in mind that 
there are big purposes and narratives you're telling yeah. with your life. Your choice in a given shoe is not a yep. big part of that. Yep. And yet I'd argue that a lot of marketing, the goal is to try to convince you of the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. That the shoes you buy today mean so much. say something about you as a person. Yep. yep. I'm I, So the shoe example is okay. It's all right. Um, one, I guess, because the other example has been used a lot on relationships is a similar example, like kind of putting yourself under some amount of stress, not just going into it. Um, we recently had a friend who got out of kind of a relationship that lasted for a couple months. And the whole time I, during that, I was kind of curious why it didn't move faster or any in those ways. Um, and my background is my granddad Okay, my granddad died when he was 101 four years ago. So, like, wow. that's how old he was. Um, got married at, like, 35 or something like that. So, different period in life, 10 years older than I am. But um, he pointed to my grandma, and this is back in the old days, at, at a golf club, uh, country club, and said to his friends, that's the girl I'm going to marry. Hadn't met her, probably knew her family back in the day, but did oh, not man. know her. They start dating. Three months later, they're married. Wow. So I imagine that there's some amount of sussing out and like figuring that out and that sort of thing. Now, my parents, on the other hand, are in a, in, in a similar boat. They dated for six months and were engaged after six months and got married a year later. Now, that's a quick time turnaround normally. The first three months, they were in the same state. The last nine, my dad was out in California. So okay. over 2,000 miles away from where I grew up. Hmm. So like, yeah. And then there, there had to be this figuring out and tossing and yeah. So I think, I think all of this, I think you're making a really good argument for, uh, living boldly. Yeah. I'd say is that yes. at the end of the day, it's important to make a choice mm-hmm. and to do your best to make a good choice. But to reasonably commit to the choices you've made and worry less about making the best decision, worry less about comparing that decision to others and rather to make a decision, make a decision and commit to it. So like this podcast did not exist as an idea two months ago. Yeah, it was. I mean, we started thinking about it. What? Probably early January. Right. Yeah, it was the after New Year's first or second weekend in January where I made a comment about something and we started talking like, hey, we should do this as like a podcast. And I was like, okay, well, it didn't even have a name until like three weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah. Like the week before Uh, we need a name. What's it going to be named? Mind pizza. Yeah. Because uh, stuck ever since. Yeah, <laughs> because the soul pancake. Soul, soul pancake was already taken. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. But yeah, it's it's that sort of commitment and bold commitment. Um, I think too much in our culture now, um, especially in like the Christian culture, there's this discussion of the meek um, and the meek shall inherit the earth. And mm. the idea being that like, oh, you have to be this weak, scrawny type of person. Which is so... Which is Weird. actually antithetical to my understanding. Also not what meek means. Yeah. Like the idea of meek, meekness just means strength under control. Yeah. And so the, the example that I... It's applying being very 
applying yourself, but being very wise about how you apply yourself. Yeah. So like the example that I've heard from Jordan Peterson, are you familiar with him? I've heard the name, but I have no idea who they are. Psychologist out of Toronto, uh, University of Toronto. I don't believe he's there anymore, but okay. um, has some interesting lectures on like the Bible and things like this. And so the example he uses is knowing how to use a sword, but not using the sword. Yes. So like uh, in our friend group, there's a lot of jokes. Um, for those who are listening that don't know, I have a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. Heck yeah, you do. Um, I haven't trained in it in several years just because I've been in a different state doing different things. He could um, kill me with his right thumb before I got to the door. But it, it and so Not you the guys left thumb, but and, the right thumb. But you guys are the ones that make these jokes. <laughs> yes. And I never make any jokes except when it's like already been brought up and it's like, oh yeah, I'll just destroy you blah, 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 just to go along. But it's also knowing like what you're capable of. So you're saying you could kill me with your I right could. thumb before I got to the <laughs> I could. Do I want to? No. But it's also knowing what you're capable of. No, I'm a, I'm a speedy boy. I feel <laughs> away. But then committing to it. Like, so I, Sometimes I committed... you got to kill Daniel. You just got to commit. <laughs> I committed 14, 15 years of my life when I was That's from the lot. age of six to You probably got in your 10,000 hours. Uh, no, actually, probably not. Really? Yeah, no. Something like 20 hours a week um, starting in high school or so. Okay. And so let's many, say four hours. That's you said 20 hours a week? 2,000 hours in high school, probably. You did 20 hours a week? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's like 2,000 hours with yeah, just 4,160. Really? Okay. Just taking four years. Okay. And then it, it was a lot lower before that because you're a kid. And okay. So you maybe so, haven't reached 10,000 hours, but you're probably looking at five to 6,000. Yeah. Which is still pretty, pretty solid. It's more than most people. True. Um, didn't mean to turn this to John Bragg's about Taekwondo. Um, <laughs> John is awesome. But uh, we were talking about how to handle that kind of yes. culture. And I think it really is boldness and that sort of thing. And I'm trying to do that more with my life personally, but I, I don't know if it's something you've been thinking about. But yes, actually, this is actually part of that. This is actually the topic for my uh, tattoo idea that I'm coming up with soon. Ooh, yes, my, my second tattoo coming uh, shortly outside of the podcast. We'll have to talk about. Yes, that. we will. Um, Maybe. But, yeah. In the future when I get it, it'll be a while till I get it. But uh when I get it, we can have a podcast episode on the tattoo itself. Yes. yes. <laughs> but yes, this is something I've thought about too. But I, so to wrap this all up, because there's free will, predestination, all that. In light of COVID almost being two years in, we were kind of as a society forced into this weird situation where we're not comfortable. We're not doing the things that we want to do. Um, and then we've kind of become lethargic. I, maybe I'm over oh, estimating I, myself and pushing that on the rest of the population. But I think I this totally is agree. I think this is a general yep. thing. And I'm not saying be stupid and like not do the smart wise thing. But I also think it's it's time to start being bolder yeah. as people, as a society. Um I've definitely had discussions with friends of ours of you know, I, I've 
I've talked with people. Yeah, we this this friend of mine I was having a conversation with. We've we've both talked with people before who have said like, oh, you know, I just um, like I don't have a thing. Yeah, you know, I don't have like my yep. thing. Yep. I wish I had a thing. It's like you just start. go out and choose something. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. Yep. And like no matter what you choose, unless you uncover some strange hidden birth talent, mm-hmm. you're probably gonna suck at it, <laughs> and that's okay. And it's like, I think that's totally right. It's like during COVID, I, or like the first like COVID summer, I chose to train for a half marathon. Yeah. I was running 50, 60 miles a week. I'm not doing that now. Um, But at the time, yeah, it was just because it was like, yep. okay, I need to choose something. Um, My mom has been saying recently, because um, she's been struggling with this sort of boldness thing too. We had a conversation before earlier today yeah. about this. It's funny how life cycles is that. For a hobby, any hobby, you don't have to be good at it. No. You can suck at it and, and still enjoy it. like it and enjoy it. I suck it. at playing ukulele. I love playing ukulele, though. <laughs> <laughs> you you know this. I enjoy trail running. I'm not built like a runner. But you enjoy it. But I enjoy it. I suck at it, but I enjoy it. And it's something where eventually I'd like to be good at it. I'd like yeah. to be good enough to do, like... 50 60 miles in a week now that doesn't sound like fun to me the the distance but being able to do that sounds fun but yeah so so i think we could you know we we started this off with predestination free will and rube goldberg machines but i think we got to some pretty good points of you know pay attention to the statement your path is making and be bold and live it. boldly yeah and make a choice you're not going to know whether or not it was free will predestination or you're some part of lar- some large group but that's not an excuse to not machine. go out and live yeah so heck yeah oh that's a fun ending this well, has been mind pizza where we give you a piece of our mind i'm john i'm daniel have a good one see you next week <laughs>